zombies have taken over the world, and the world needs heroes. Hi folks, Timothy Harvey. The Outbreak Challenge, OutbreakChallenge.com, has become a sponsor of Zompocalypse Now. Use your real-life steps and exercise to run from and battle the zombies on an interactive fitness adventure in the apocalyptic wasteland. You can do this alone, you can do it with your friends, see who survives. They have 17 different races and challenges to choose from. All of them have unique stories and themes. If you survive the challenge, they'll send you a real-life medal. Now, this thing will easily pair with your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, other smart wearables. It is definitely a fun way to stay in shape or get back in shape after the last couple of years. We could probably all use some help with that. Now, if you want to try the Outbreak Challenge for yourself, you can save 15% off by going to their website, outbreakchallenge.com, pick the race you want, and enter in the code Zombie Run to save 15% off. That's our coupon code, Zombie Run you get as listeners of the show to take advantage of the outbreak challenge try this out for yourself see if it works for you thanks so much folks and now let's get into our episode do you fear the zombie uprising are you prepared to survive what's coming if you listen very carefully you might just make it out alive this is Zompocalypse Now. Um, you guys, we are at the point in the season, in the Walking Dead season, that I think over time has become my least favorite. And I will tell you, you what it is it is the part of the season where things are going really really well and the story seems like it's gonna kick ass and and just someday very soon we're just gonna be reminded that that's not the case and it makes me sad every time the danger is in the disappointment Mm -hmm. So are you saying this episode is setting it up so it looks like it's going to be really cool? And- it's setting it up. Like if this if this whole last part of The Walking Dead is just our guys just being 700 steps ahead of everybody in leadership of the Commonwealth, I would be delighted. Oh, you're going to be desperately disappointed yeah. i know so that's the thing that like i know that it's not we just can't because uh the writers get bored and they you know with good stuff or fun you know things. i learned something uh um actually i learned this this morning i was having coffee with my friend mitch and he knows a lot about the writing business in la he said most of the time when you're looking at a, at a writing credit it's not necessarily that person who wrote it. They like each person gets a credit on a, on an, on an episode. And it's not always the one that you actually wrote. They just throw it in there because money. Mm. So the people that we see that are writing this show may not have been writing the episodes we were bitching about. But they were in the room. They're just getting the credit today. I don't know if that, I don't even know if you're you're taking responsibility for it. I'm sorry. I mean, 
I, I, I completely get it. And, and certainly Mitch is, uh, it's, uh, Mitch Bryan, I presume. Yeah. Mitch Bryan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, for, for the folks at home, this is a, a guy that we know who is uh, a rather successful writer. Uh, you may recognize that name if you're a fan of Batman the Animated Series. Uh, and so he was involved with that as well. And so. why wouldn't you be? Exactly. So I wasn't one? looking to name drop. I'm not sure he wants people knowing that. I think he's mad at it. I think he's mad at Batman. He's been... he's. No, we, he's given writers workshops for the Independent Filmmakers Coalition of Kansas City, where he has sat there and go, hi there, I'm Mitch Bryan, and this is my resume. And it's like, ta-da, Batman. All right, all right, fine, fine, fine. I just, he doesn't like people to fan out, you know. The good thing is, is that he's a very, very talented guy. He's also a really nice guy, and he's a great guy and to talk to. He doesn't listen to this shit. Well, he's I'm... not listening to our show. He should be, because... Cannot be bothered. I mentioned it 30 times. He was like, oh, really? Okay yeah mm -hmm. well, that's fine and mitch if you do decide to listen to an episode and this is the one uh we think you're great i ain't Tell being mean the show. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um yeah i mean you put your name on it you're taking a certain amount of responsibility and even if you know that this is the way the system works you're gonna mm -hmm. basically be praised or blamed as the situation requires and since this is the walking dead universe we've got lots of blame to pass around so we fucking do the intro <laughs> hi folks and welcome to the zompocalypse now podcast i am timothy harvey i'm not dustin i mean the cookie he's fucking dustin the hut is who he is right now he's he's chewing on a lizard head <laughs> And I'm this Curtis. Is, this is my snack time. Oh, well, I'm, you're lucky. You, you got snack time. I'd love some pistachios right about now. Do you okay. have any pistachios? Nope. That's your own uh, fault. Yeah. I bought I cookies. Brought them and brought them to my own, my own house. Uh, you, uh, you have cookie in your beard, by the way. Probably. Almost constantly. <laughs> it's where you keep, keep the leftovers for later, right? right? So where shall we start, you guys? What plot do you feel like? I think we should, look, I think I think we should talk about how we feel about this episode first. Okay. And if plot elements find their way into that, I think we should I think we should give them time served. Okay. So let's go into our segment sharing circle with Curtis. Yes. Where Curtis leads us on a, on our emotional journey into this episode of the walking dead so it's um all right i hold the severed head of truth <laughs> <laughs> you kind of rather the severed head of truth <laughs> i rather agree with you dustin on the on the danger of this episode being so good because it was quite good it was quite a good episode it had all our favorite things it had the millennium falcon which is daryl and it had <laughs> it had lightsabers, just Carol. And it had that, and it had Mr. Mayor being a, or I mean, Mr. What is the assistant mayor? Lance. No, he's just uh... Lance. Lance. We have Lance being a complete cock. Oh my god, he was out cocking himself today. No, Rather I... enjoyed it. 
Jim. I will, give, I will give Lance credit. He led from the front during the, the shootout scene, which now he led from the front with a tiny, tiny gun, which is not smart. But he, you know, he's not hiding behind his men. That's look, uh, you know, that guy, that character is not giving an awful lot of is not giving off a lot of big dick energy right now. He's he's uh, he's kind of fucked at this moment. We should yeah. talk about how he got fucked. So right. cast your mind back, folks, where we left off when we were last with The Walking Dead main show is Lance had made his move on the hilltop and Oceanside and um, whatever uh, the hell the other place is. Uh, yeah, hilltop, uh, Alexandria. Alexandria, there we go. Um, we've been so far away from Alexandria for a while. So he'd made his move. He basically had taken over these, these places. And we also have the governor's son, um, who is just the horrid, horrid, terrible, just God awful child, uh, who of course has been just writing on the fact that he's the son of the person in charge and don't you know who i am yeah that whole thing and he's a child of privilege in the worst possible way he's been exposed for doing a lot of shady shit and so he's hiding specifically specifically taking people of on the lower economic class people that are are hurting in this in the in in uh the commonwealth and sending them on dangerous missions to get things for him money jewelry things that they still are placing value on in commonwealth uh are, and they're basically he's using these people to get those things for him and when they die he just sends another group in right and people are people have noticed and connie our intrepid journalist has not under her own name written this article that exposes all of this so yeah, she shouldn't have, she shouldn't have signed it Brenda Starr. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a deep cut for you kids at home. Um yeah. but so we have all this set up, right? And so we've got stuff going on inside the Commonwealth. We have stuff happening outside the Commonwealth because Daryl and company are not taking all of this lying down. They're yeah. fighting back. And so we have basically two sets in this episode. We've got inside the Commonwealth. Well, yeah, and we've yeah. got the abandoned town that we've seen recycled every time we need an abandoned town and yeah. the like two alleyways um, that we see from all kinds of cool different angles. It's very clever how well they reuse this, yeah. you know, stretch of, of I think I saw the place that I think I saw the place where they found the smelter. <laughs> and I feel like that sewer, that big sewer area, mm -hmm. like I have seen that as other things. That's been bunkers. And, <laughs> you know, this and is like, this, this is how the things work and and i have to say they do a really good job of making it look interesting no matter how we're seeing it but, well yeah yeah and 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 fucking practical effects every single one i mean you know they probably do a little bit here and there cgi but not much right those guys you know give them a little credit because they're they're creating a, a lovely fucked up world where everything looks to be broken and crumbling they're building a mystery and <laughs> And um, we do get uh, Freddy Krueger zombie, which is a real thing. You were quite right, Curtis. That, that was, was the, oh that yeah, was, that was a legitimate thing that they did. They were like, let's make him look like Freddy. So yeah, that was awesome. I love that. <laughs> it was very very fun. But, I wish they uh, did that. 
like like uh what was it dawn of the dead or something where they're like they hold up a sign that says phil collins and then he picks out the yeah 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 they should that should be weekly (laughs) well you know what i was thinking about uh earlier today uh pumpkins back in uh frank darabont's day in season one i remember that part of the thing that he wanted to do and i think it only happened really in season one was that we were going to also follow walkers like specific walkers were going to appear over and over again over the course of the show and you were going to be able to see how they uh became and Mm. i remember there was the one specific there was the guy with the long hair and the black suit and he was in several episodes uh but i think that when they in season two were like we're gonna just slash everything all your budget he had to to abandon that idea right and then because they've done things they've done homages to the black suit zombie before or oh since then like every once in a while there will be a black suited zombie with like he i was walking in the field in rick's last season that's interesting as hell i didn't know that yeah um, oh, you hear that audience that's interesting as hell well i mean because you it would be a funny visual gag to see people. It would be. It would be brilliant. I would have loved to have seen that. There's probably a lot that they work into these things that we don't necessarily catch. It's the, that's the thing. It, it's it's subtlety that that kind of makes the show, you know, because it's <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of the conversations are, you know, a little bit the samey. So it's it's the subtleties and the details that that we're starting to get off on more and more with this show, I think. Right. So shall we shall we start on? Uh, Have you expressed I, your feelings? Oh, my feelings were that I liked it very very much. Okay, and that I want uh, I want it to remain at this level of quality, remembering that people have been following the show for 45 years and we want to see these characters do what they do which is completely dismantle crazy colonies that is why we have kept with this show for so long is because team zombie is really good at walking into place and being like yep cannibals kill them shut it down you know and and that's what we want that's what we want we want them to easily and handily over the next six episodes or however many it is dismantle the commonwealth and build it up better like they did in alexandria like they did in hilltop like they did in kingdom uh and just you know that's what we will be in that's ruin but we want and they're not going to do that because it'll be in ruin make, yeah somebody's going to make a mistake and you know we're going to have to deal with eugene being an idiot in some way and you I know, think you, you, prediction Eugene will be the hero of everyone last episode. He will give his life for the people. Um, we'll have to see because the, the, the we're already wildly diverging from the comic at this point because Rick is still alive in the comic at this point in the story daryl doesn't even exist in the comic there's a whole lot of differences <laughs> who's still alive who's dead 
Um, but, but aren't we glad Daryl and Negan still exist in, in this, though? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, at this point in the comic, Negan has gone off on his own. He's he's yeah. in exile. But here, he's gotten married. He's got a child on the way. But and he, and he when it comes time... Super, he went super Negan, though. Uh, well, see, when, when it comes time to, to send someone in to be backup for our heroes... There's only one person who isn't recognizable to Lance. And- when he's not running the ice cream shop, yep. Negan. <laughs> yep. And he uh, just Negan's his way right in the door. And it is actually one of my favorite scenes in the episode because um, Mercer is who he's playing off of, you know, the, the, the military guy. They're having and- a grumbly voice contest. And I'm so terribly reluctant at being a hero. <laughs> and he's always fun to watch. And he and Negan playing off each other is just these two people who are like really good at snark. <laughs> and and very much at they're good at playing the game because Mercer is playing the game hard. He's trying to make sure that things actually work in the Commonwealth when you've got people like the governor who's, you know, trying to hold on to this old power structure you've got her horrid son sebastian mercer's just trying to keep people alive he's already playing one game and negan comes in and he's like look i know you're playing the game i'm playing the game too you know you need me right mm-hmm. right right mercer's like yeah i'm sure <laughs> I've, I've never met you but i trust you implicitly sir <laughs> Yeah, that's ne- that's Negan's charm. It's just it's potent. Well, you and he's bottle not, it. He's not even doing the 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 rapid fire, you know, vocal spewing that he would sometimes do when he was. He's not there. looking for people to shit themselves yet. Well, and he's he's not he's not playing the power game, right? He's actually sitting. You know, he's in there going, "Here's the situation." You know, here's we, what makes we, sense for you. We understand each other, right? Right. Okay. Let me in. Mm-hmm. And okay. that, that great line is like, if no one else is playing by the rules, then why are you? Mm-hmm. And Mercer's like, ah, um, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> Dustin, your thoughts? Um, I uh, also very much liked that we got uh, him partnered with carol in a caper <laughs> uh i because don't carol capers are always the best capers. yes uh the fact that our resident super spy had to take him on as a partner is really i really enjoyed and i really i they they we know they've worked together in secret but i feel like this is the first time we've been they've been like let's partner these two up and send them out together there was some interesting they had a scene together that we saw several times this stuff happen in this episode where people would say something and the other person would sort of look at them and go like um and this was like you know he goes did i tell you i got married and the look on carol's face is like huh (laughs) well i love her response why are you telling me this right exactly and it's a perfect it's a it's a response that makes sense but mm-hmm. what's interesting there is that Negan is actually being vulnerable with her yeah 
and mm-hmm. saying say he's saying to her i'm scared for what's going to happen yeah. i've got a wife and a child in the way and they're still outside not for without very saying, much longer not not without without him actually saying to her i'm scared but it's obviously what he's saying to her and she's like it's going to be okay and Guys, that was a great exchange i have to tell you how irritated i am that they gave Negan a wife and baby after announcing that he is going to have a spinoff show with Maggie. I just, I'm just so irritated. They're going to die. They're gonna murder that pregnant lady to motivate him on his next adventure. And it, I just, I'm just and it's so, gonna be it's gonna be the worst kind of fr- it's the worst kind of fridging. It's and I'm just so mad. It's gonna be the I kill can, of the week that I can see it coming. I just hate it so badly. Mm-hmm. Unless I mean, and I just hate it so badly. I just hate it. Unless that show begins with them leaving little little Herschel and you know mommy and brand new baby in a in a cabin in a field and they're like bye you guys we got to go have a new york adventure uh or you know whatever i don't know i just am so i'm just so worried about it yeah it's it seems very much like a setup for like you said fridging fridging a character and look well right now fucking uh what's his name's in the fridge rat tail What? The the dude, um, our favorite guy. He's in the fridge right now. It, it, he wasn't in this episode at all. Oh, Eugene? Eugene. <laughs> He's in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> this is a storytelling thing that we see all the time. And and it did lead to the you know the concept of fridging. It's basically somebody dies to provide the motivation for our character to go off and do the thing. And Sometimes it is a very effective storytelling technique, but a lot of times it's lazy as all hell. I would argue that if it is a effective storytelling technique, it is not fridging. The definite I would define yeah, fridging sure. uh, as it is obvious and blatant. This character yeah. is gonna die specifically oh, okay. to motivate this person. I right. thought you meant I thought you meant characters that disappear for no reason. No, that's put oh. on the bus. Okay, yeah. they put they put Eugene on the bus. He's just not in this episode. He's gonna be in the rest of the show. So here's the problem with this. He's gonna be the big hero. I'm telling you. Here's the problem with these final set of episodes. The cast is so huge at this point. People are gonna get left out, or if they're not left out, we're going to get these little side stories with characters that are not part of the main storyline right um so that's sort of setting up what dustin's concerned about is the fact that this episode was a very solid beginning to this part of this and it sets up all sorts of things but if they don't continue with this level of quality and momentum because the walking dead has got a real well it's had a problem like this for a long long time which is an episode that moves along and then an episode that just doesn't matter following it right and we can't do that anymore for these last episodes they all have to matter well yeah they're not they're not 
fudging and filling in space here this this round not this episode we don't know what's going to happen <laughs> beyond this episode at this point well, i don't i don't want to read forward because i know there's synopses out there right yeah um so i'm not I, i'm i never done that i'll never do it i don't want to ruin this if it sucks i want it to suck for the first time <laughs> that's always the best suck what <laughs> is it though well you know it's no. the, it's new there you go i almost got laid in kansas city boys so i'm gonna say about it I, I that's well. I wish it wasn't an almost. Well, yep. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well, let's talk about it some more. <laughs> we've got we got stuff to do. Uh, okay, so I think we should start with the the least consequential storyline, which is. Uh, Connie and Little Apple Dumpling and Magda wandering around like idiots with chickens with their heads cut off in this can the be middle of a riot. This can be wrapped up tidily. I'm, I believe in you. Yeah. So uh, the story has caused the community to rally against the governor at Lady and uh, her son, whose name I don't know. Sebastian. Colin? Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Colin. Uh, Colin. <laughs> so, so there's a riot going on. And, and while the you know, Lady Governor is trying to mitigate the damage and spin it, nobody is listening to her. Uh, so she's uh, it's hilarious. She's like, We're seriously serious, you guys, about we're gonna to the we'll, we'll, we'll find the culprits, we'll find the real killers. We're seriously serious, you guys. And for real. literally nobody, nobody is listening to her. Right. Uh, <laughs> so while this is going on, uh, Magda uh, and uh, oh well, Yukio's with the governor, lady governor, the whole time, doing doing uh, lesbian lawyer stuff. Uh, and Magda and Connie and Little Apple Dumpling are out on the streets watching this protest. And there's a second where Connie is, you know, uh, saying, did we, was this a mistake? Like, should we not have done this? Because people are going to get hurt. And, and Little Apple Dumpling is basically like, we had no choice. We have to, this, you know, this has to happen. Uh, so we just, you know, all we can do is do our best to protect these people now that this is going on uh and so they're just like wandering around and like trying to like i guess mitigate the damage or something but they get caught up in this after hours curfew situation and they're oh they're tear gassed and uh it was interesting to me at the beginning of the episode when they showed the date they said it was january 6th and then there's this <laughs> big insurrection that happens ha <laughs> curtis did it really? I honestly did. I didn't see that. So I'm going to say it happened because I believe how it. Cool I, is that? I accept it. I accept it as the truth. <laughs> um, that's how that's how January 6th happened. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so that one was, I think, our most uh, most unnecessary story of well, this. I, I wouldn't necessarily say 
unnecessary because again we've got this giant cast we have to find something for them to do so that is the ground eye view of what's happening to the populace of this of the commonwealth through the eyes of our yeah characters with dialogue as opposed to the crowd which basically has the whole you know banana banana um <laughs> you know and, well, bring actually, them out yeah there's Bring a whole lot out. of we don't believe you we don't any linux sucks any linux sucks and, but the, the thing is that like it does not yeah any linux is amazing yeah yes sorry dustin <laughs> the thing that i didn't like about this scene is that i don't feel like the governor the lady governor would be this stupid to be like we'll find the real killers uh, uh you know i don't i just don't feel like she would have been like she would have has there been any other type of example for her when things like this happen she tried to talk down the guy uh at the party the waiter the cater waiter who went crazy yeah yeah and you know she was using techniques just like she was at the behind that microphone she was using her techniques to um negotiate peace with these people well, I think that we're looking at somebody who is, and this has been a problem, something we've noticed as a problem for her from the beginning, which is she's used to telling people things and having them accept it as real, yeah. Believe it or pretend that they're believing it. And the thing is, is that she's she's gotten away with it this long. It's become an expectation. And so she's like, you know, she doesn't want to believe that her son did these things. Even if she believes it, she doesn't want to believe it. This is yeah. where this is how all relationships end. One person decides not to, to not to let the other person get away with the bullshit. That's how relationships go. Sure. That, and that's when they end because that other person is like, wait a minute, I'm only here because you're letting me get away with this bullshit. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm out. But so that's well, what see, we have that's here. The, but here's the thing. That is that's that it can be either a breaking point or a building point for relationships. The I'm not gonna let you get away with your bullshit. Uh, because if if Lady Governor had done this with Colin before, when he was fucking you know, Colin, per she permitted him, she was too permissive with him, and now it's to the point where uh, she's lost all control. And she even says later to, to Yukio, well, all the men in my family were rabble rousers. Every one of them a rapist and murderer. Right. She doesn't say rapist and murderers, but that's what you're supposed to imply. That, oh, I thought that yeah. was a really, I thought that was a really tidy piece of dialogue. I like that. Yeah, I did too. Uh, but it also shows that, you know, she's never, she's never put any limits on him. She never, she never parented him the way he, needed to be parented because she was too busy with the boys will be boys mentality that she grew up with oh yes a family legacy of great leaders well and also just the expectation we're in power we're going to stay in power we're you know people people do what we tell them to and it well that means that's a license to be a to, you know in, in sebastian's case to be another dick so yeah I mean, and, and basically the ferengi rule of commerce number one once you have their money, keep it. But in this case, it's just power. Once it you have power. the power, keep it. Well, and there's there's this idea that that the governor has is that we have power because we deserve power, mm -hmm. and <laughs> which is 
hysterical to me because every person that I've ever met that was in some sort of authority or power position was desperately pretending they knew what they were doing. Right. It's hilarious. And the problem that is that she has the hubris to believe that she knows what she's doing and that she's doing the right thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why uh, President Annie Lennox is... Uh, she's she's growing on me as a character because um she's no nonsense lady she believes what she's doing right but and she has no idea she's a fucking villain she has no idea yeah she's done something that on one level is a good idea she has put people in the various positions to help her run the commonwealth that get things done right she doesn't ask them how they get things done which yeah. is how you end up with Lance getting away with as much as he's gotten away with. And so when you sit, you know, you, when you surround yourself with people who are good at what they do and let them do their jobs, you can look really good. This is, this is the rule of directing a film. I mean, this is what I did all the time when I was directing is surround myself with really talented people, let them do their job, and I end up looking great. It's fantastic. The problem with that is that if you are a monster who gets things done, you're still a monster, which gets us Lance and his whole thing. So, I mean, she, but, because but Lance, she's, go ahead. I'm sorry. But Lance has really is a different situation because he's not, ultimately we're discovering more and more that he is not even working towards her ends or her goals because he's all you know he's got wheels within wheels going on mm -hmm. but she was she's arrogant enough and and complacent in her we've always had power mentality and we always will have power to think that she can control that mm -hmm. and she's wrong so we'll come back to lady governor later as we do carol's carol and Negan's, oh right uh, okay quest um, should we should we do that one now or should we? Sure. Okay, so um, Negan gets sent to the Commonwealth to get a message to Carol, and we'll get and and uh, there's a really great set piece where uh, where all of our expert guerrilla tacticians, Maggie and Daryl and and Gabriel and Aaron and Negan and Negan's pregnant wife who's going to be fridged uh, are just expertly taking out the white-coated goons that were just, I guess, just here, take this gun and this cool armor. You're a soldier now. I don't think any of them were ever trained. Oh, and that armor is completely useless. Right. It's useless against bullets, which is fine. It's clearly made of plastic, but it's It'd also be all right against hockey pucks. I would doubt it because they can't even fight. None of these people can fight off a walker, and they they you know, the, <laughs> they're the like turtles. Gets, if you get on their back, they're just fucked. You get yeah. within, a walker gets within five feet of these guys, and they just and fall they out freak and out dead. and fall down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are the, these are the, I, the walker walks up to them and they just go oh no and they so maggie and daryl and they're just like taking these guys out and so they get to a point where they're like look if they can get word back to alexandria all of our guys everybody that is in alexandria is going to be in danger right we've got to send somebody's got to go and tell them 
that they need to get out or they need to implement plan plan Alvo Delta or whatever. Uh, so so they have a, that conversation that Curtis hates uh, until they finally decide that it should be Negan that goes because nobody knows what Negan looks like. So they send Negan to the Commonwealth and he has, I'll let Curtis take over here because he loved it so much, what a great interaction with Mercer as he's coming into the Commonwealth. He's, yeah, doesn't he have his fucking feet up on the table yeah. when <laughs> Mercer comes in? And Mercer's like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm all of the things and the stuff and the whatnot. And Mercer's like, fucking hey, you need help? And that was basically that. He's yeah. very charming. Got Mercer on his side immediately by doing that line that you said earlier. He was like, everybody's fucking breaking the rules. Why are you still trying to follow him? You know, yeah. it was great. Well, you, you glossed over what I think is one of the best lines of the of the episode. Because we says, Mercer comes in and says, who are you? And then he just looks at him and goes, you know who I am. It's <laughs> 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 like, you know, because you know immediately as soon as he said that, he's like, oh my God, this is fucking naked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard enough about this dude to know. I wanted him to say, when he goes, who are you? I wanted him to go, I am Negan. (laughs) There's there's a brief moment of like play acting here where Negan's like playing this character that he's invented uh, because the guard is in the room. And he's like, so, uh, you know, what's up with you? And he's, well, I ran into some trouble out there. And a friend of mine said that I should talk to you. And he's like, oh, yeah, who's this friend? April. And I'm like, who the fuck is April? And he's like, you know, um, do you know what happened to her? And Negan's like, well, I guess if you say it like that, nothing good. <laughs> and then and then Mercer's like, right, enough of this. And sends the guard out to get Negan some water. And it's, so, it's such an obvious go away <laughs> line. And then it's like, all right, so what the hell's going on? Negan's like... Ta-da! Was that Mercer. some code that I missed? I don't know what any of that was about. Well, I I, I think it was like such a. What are you a, talking about when he got when he got the dude out of the room? Well, the whole like April thing, like I didn't know, like you said, like I, I don't know who that's supposed to be. Like was honestly, was there, was there some like coded message there that we missed? It's it's entirely possible to reference to something far enough back in the past that it's gone out of my head. Oh, but it was code. So that he knew that he was he had talked to Daryl. That's but what it was. Did, how did how did what's April mean? It's a code. If it was code or not a code, I think either way, Mercer recognized that Negan is not the traditional person to come up to you know the gates and say, "Let me in, please." <laughs> and then, of course, he's like, I'm "You know, who, you know who sent me." <laughs> Dixon sent me, and he's like. Right. Okay. And the thing is, is that, you know, here's another example of Mercer realizing he's realized for a long time that things are so rotten here Mm -hmm. that letting in this total stranger who is clearly here to be an agent of chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mind me. Yeah, but I'm just the devil. <laughs> yeah, but really, they're on the same side, though. They're, right. Uh, That's the thing is that that things are so bad, really. I mean, Mercer's trying to put a good face on it and and be as 
much of a protector of these people as he can be. But if he reckon- on the outside of this, he's pointless. Mm-hmm. And so and letting- he's refusing, he's kind of refusing to take a side too, because he has this conversation with Rosita later where he's like, I can help you get out, but I'm not gonna, you do what you've got to do, but you know. He recognizes that our, our, you know, team zombie here is the plague of locusts and he would rather the Commonwealth still be standing by the time they leave. And I mean, they're not as bad as the locusts on fear the walking dead, but they're pretty (laughs) close. And so, I mean, (laughs) you know, so I think that there's, he's, he's not necessarily playing both sides. He's trying to play the only side, which is everything. Yeah. And so he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be a faction. He's trying to, you know, be the, he's trying to save this place and the people inside. And if that means bringing down the governor to make everybody safer, sure. But if that means keeping the governor in power because it makes everybody safer, that's what he'll do too. Right. Now, I just love the fact that he and, he and Negan come to an understanding so fast and just like, <laughs> like the, the, I want the buddy comedy that they could be which we're not going to get because there's not enough episodes left. But that would, wouldn't it? I think that would be just, you know, a lot of fun to have the Negan and Mercer show. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Carol is babysitting all of the children. Literally every child that is important to this show is in Carol's custody. Which is Uh, great. That that would be three children. Well, (laughs) except for Herschel. Herschel is, Herschel's in the woods with some people uh, he'll be fine uh but but jude and uh aaron's little idiot daughter and rj are all with carol uh, she's like doing super spy stuff and she's burning pancakes and uh jude's like what's wrong with you what's going on who is this guy in these pictures because it's pictures of colin uh like like skulking around Carol's like, oh, it's just nobody. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she looks out the window because they're kind of just having a conversation like, oh, do you miss Daryl? Is he a better cook than me? And, you know, just being, you know, friendly. And Carol kind of looks and Jude says something along the lines of, I don't know, it was a Carol who's like, we're just going to have a nice, quiet, lazy day. One of them says something like that. And then Carol looks out the window and sees the other members of the spy squad and she's like actually scratch that we all need to hide (laughs) now of course we they do hide and we have our little uh evil intelligence network people in which is the bald guy with the beard and the the lady who pretended to be eugene's girlfriend right they have terrible searching skills yeah they didn't open a single cabinet looking for a child and I'm just like, okay, you know, <laughs> it's clear that they're children it, just based in like everything going Can't on. Can't they the room. smell the burned blueberry pancake? Like <laughs> that was what I was wondering. Just left the room when they she looked at the table. When she looked at the table, I expected her to be like, "These pancakes are burned," and then for there to be like an action set piece where Carol had to murder them both. I really I was, expected that. I was expecting that as well, and I'm a little curious exactly what the geography of where carol was standing outside because we see her she's out we, we look through the window from the outside looking in and we see the the evil lady and carol is outside the window holding a very large knife and so i wanted to know 
where that is. Is she like, you know, standing outside the door in the yard as people are walking by? No, because it's on like the second floor. In which case it's even worse because now it's like someone's standing out there on a ledge holding a large knife. That's Carol unusual. Was, Carol is standing flat-footed, straight-backed on a six-inch ledge with that knife. Like she's just a, a just a stable machine waiting. Like she doesn't have any room to move or breathe. But it's if a, they come anywhere near that window, they're dead. That's not what happens. They're like, well, guess there's nobody here because we don't know how to open doors or cabinets <laughs> or and nothing, nothing below eye level should be searched. And they just, and they leave. Um, they're going to go check the out school. the school. <laughs> okay. Was uh, it like Saturday? Like, see, that's the thing. There should, we need to know what day it is for that to make any sense. Right. Just as they think everything's going to be fine, there's a knock at the door. And Carol's like, oh my God, kids, <laughs> go to the back room. Yeah. Don't come out till I call you. Auntie Carol might have to kill some people and uh, you not see the blood go flying. But it's not anything to worry about. It's Negan at the door. And he's like, hi, Carol. <laughs> the, the sentence no one thought we'd ever say. It's not anything to worry about. It's Negan at the door. <laughs> but it's also Negan with Jerry. And so yeah. Jerry's, and Negan's like, hey, Carol, how you been? <laughs> and you're right. I should have stayed in the I should have stayed in the cabin. <laughs> Negan had some great lines this episode. Yeah. Well, I think Negan's the only one who knows that he's in a television show. <laughs> like, you know, everybody else thinks this is really happening. And, and Negan's walking around like, I'm the actor Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing a really sassy character. Yeah, I think he gets a script and makes and just he gets his script and makes his dialogue more Negan than the than the writer knows how to do. <laughs> like I think he he does a lot of paraphrasing and improvising as he goes, and he's having the time of his life. Well, you could just—I mean, the, he has such an interesting way of delivering lines. Uh-huh. There's that whole little—that's that sense of even the serious lines have a grin in them. Yeah. And yes, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is clearly having a good time. So, so then he and Carol after recognizing that they've got to find Sebastian because yeah. he's the key of all this. Yeah, things are getting out of hand, are going going quicker than, than we thought they were going to be going. So we need to start implementing some plans. And Carol's plan number one is we're going to find that little shit and we're going to get our, some bargaining chips. Mm-hmm. So they send Jerry and the children away to uh, an undisclosed location and attic space that he has which is the place i think that this is the place that they they uh, were kind of running their secret meeting out of Mm, yeah which gives us a little chase scene in the crowd where we've got our evil intelligence folks who are chasing them and there's a lovely little bit where jerry's like hey we're being followed can you guys do something about that and like six people are like (laughs) oh my (laughs) oh my am i in your way goodness uh, yeah, but he gets away. They get away, and the kid, you know, they all get away scot free. And Negan and Carol go to try and find Sebastian. I know. I'm sorry. They go to find Colin. You were right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, as they're looking, they kind of have a couple little minor conversations. One of which is when Negan basically is like, "I got married," 
and I've got a kid on the way and I'm really, you know, I need to know they're out there and safe and things are going to be okay. And I'm like, you fucking motherfucker. I'm going to fridge that woman and that baby. And I, you're just, you're just goosing it. You're just goosing it so that it's just going to make me madder and madder. Because she's going to have so, ugh, just irritating. So Carol says the thing that you know she knows is not true. Yeah, everything's going to be okay. And they go into the Capitol building. And are right, like, so you at Union Station or the, the Union? Yeah. And, and they've gotten, they've, they've got the blueprints to the place so that they can actually, you know, the floor plans so they can, they're pretty sure that he's hiding, still hiding out in there. But where inside, they don't know. And how they're just like, like, did they just like walk up and be like, yes, I know that this is the seat of government, but I'm Carol. There's unrest outside. So all the guards are elsewhere because that's not how things actually work, but that's how it works for the show. So that's where they are. You know? That's kind of in a small town. That's kind of how things work. Yeah, but this is not really a small town. So they're on their own for reasons, dramatic, dramatic reasons. And uh, discover a secret passage. And it's the dumbest Okay, so <laughs> Carol's got the plans and she sees that there's supposed to be a, room, a door there. And so Negan goes over and moves like, what even was it? Like a coat rack or something? Yeah, it's, it's like and there's very poorly so hidden. And there's obviously a door there. Like they did nothing to hide it. It's got seams and everything. <laughs> And it's just like nobody noticed. They just like, oh, just hang our coat on this coat rack in front of the obvious secret door. Well, and it's it's so well sealed that they just walk in, and Sebastian is so fucking terrible at everything. <laughs> he's just sleeping. Yeah, he's fucking <laughs> wasted in his own filth. Yes. Uh, for a second there, I thought that he might be dead. But then oh, he's gonna, they got our hopes up, didn't they? they yeah. But he had a great exchange with Negan. It's like, do you know who I am? And Negan's like, do you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> that was really uh, good. It's like, hey, kid, the next, if you find yourself hiding out in the closet, pissing into a jar, you might want to reconsider how things are going for you. <laughs> right. Here's the thing about this well, character. I have such a minor problem with it. This kid is about the age that Carl would be if Carl had lived, roughly. Mm-hmm. And we know the things that Carl went through and the person that it made him. And it's irritating to me that, that this kid was able, I guess, to just be so protected over all of these years to still be a do you know who I am? Don't you know who I am kind of person? It's it's perfect, but it's still just like, oh my gosh, it's just another level to this character. Well, I think how part bad of the, gross he is. Part of the problem is, is that when people like that are real and that they are horrible, horrible people in the real world. And you just want to drown him in a creek, but he's doing a fantastic job of just making it's, this character vile. Unless you're unless you're a real terrible person, playing a terrible even if you're a real terrible person, playing a terrible person is hard. That's hard work. It's hard work, but it's often a lot of fun. Yeah. Because you get to play the bad guy. Tio Rap Olson. 
is his name. For all the fact that he is an objectively horrid person, he's also really pathetic. Mm -hmm. He's a very weak person. Right. But Negan sits there and goes, this is Carol. You've met Carol. She's made of magic. I've <laughs> seen her do magic stuff with her ass and rabbits. And I thought that was just like, that's a very Negan line. And Sebastian recognizes that he's sort of fucked. And so he goes with Carol and Negan. There's a minor, a second, just a split second, where you think that they might get caught by the crowd. Mm -hmm. But Negan sends them on their, sends Carol and uh, Sebastian and kind of like, takes out the guy he was like hey they're over here and and but gets gets beaten up by police for his troubles so carol takes sebastian to his mom and the before they get there they're having she and yukio are having this conversation about like where yukio's like do you think that he could have done this do you come on there's got to be a part of you that thinks this has to be true. And she's like, no, even if it were true, I can't let it, I can't allow myself to think it were true. And then, but as soon as he comes in, she just like wails on him and it's like, what have you done? Oh, you she are... hugs him first. She's like, yeah. oh, my, oh, my sweet baby. <laughs> You're a disgrace. You're, you know. And of course and, he but... lies and says, I didn't do any of this stuff, mother. I'm, I'm innocent. I'm pure as the virgin snow. Right, which is you can just tell he's been getting away with this, right. this this exact thing since his whole his whole childhood. What's he so, said? I'm just gonna wait till it blows over. Yeah, fucking murder doesn't blow over, dude. That's nope, it don't. Well, but again, right. we come back we come back to these these ideas that these people have that they're big people and everyone else are the little people and the little people don't matter. Yeah, even as the governor lady thinks that she is compassionate. She thinks that she's doing her best to help these people. But if she has to sacrifice them to protect her own son, even though he's awful, she's going to do it. She doesn't care. Her altruism has limits, has definite limits. Well, so, she's, she's altruistic as long as it's her doing it from a position of power. Right. Okay, so what comes of it? Well, so far, well, first of all, <laughs> Governor looks at, at Carol and is like, who are you? <laughs> I love that there's so many like people first meeting, first meets in this episode where they're like, what? Who are you? Oh, you don't know me, but I'm here to just make your day. And Carol's like, I'm Carol. Uh, I, I used to work for Lance. Oh, she doesn't say used to. Oh. She says, I work for. Yeah, I work for Lance and I'm here to you know, tell you he's gone crazy. He's gone crazier than you think he's gone. Uh, and he's out there right now trying to kill my friends. And so we need to take care of him. She's like, well, and, what does that have to do with this? And she's like, well, if your son didn't do it, somebody did. <laughs> I was just like, this would be the target. We're painting it. <laughs> I love Carol. I think she's great. I don't know. I just want to take a moment here to consider when we first met Carol way back in season one, this was a abused housewife who was cowed, who was, you know, dealing with a, an abusive husband in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. Did we ever think that we'd get to this point where she's like the stealthiest of stealth killers yeah. and, and, you know, she's Carol the super spy and, and just a force of nature. I mean, she is just, I mean, she's one of the, the, one of the joys of this show. 
has just been watching her over the, the entire run. As this show is yeah. coming to an end, you know, recognizing that Melissa McBride has been the backbone of this show for a significant chunk of its run. Yeah. She makes deal with the with the uh president Annie Lennox saying, Hey, we can get you Lance to blame these murders on. Then you can have your son back. But get this motherfucker off of my friends. Yeah. And so that's what we'll have to do. And that and then that story arc is over. Now next. Well, the only one we got left is Daryl and Maggie and all of them going after Lance. Just, just lots of gunfights, car chase, it's fucking rad. Right. Okay. So, except Daryl and Negan also was part of the car chase earlier as well. Both of them are dead. They are dead because cars are only made of metal and glass, and bullets go through metal and glass. And all you have to do is look Not at 22 the- bullets because those are all 22 AR 15s and they. And they hit a piece of metal and they just fucking shatter. Yeah, these are not that. These are, you know, heavy machine guns. And based on the... No, I'm telling you, they look like that. But those are 22 caliber. That's what they would use because the the ammunition for that is much more plentiful. Well, that it might explain it because the bullet patterns in those cars basically involve lots of bullets going through the drivers. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So, so Daryl, and of course, you know, we have a scene where Daryl's hiding behind a car and shooting at them. And it's like, yeah, he's dead. I mean, okay, this is the way it happens in every movie and every television show. But still, it's like, all right, they're dead. Oh, there's no fucking way I'd hide behind a car if I was getting shot at. No fucking way. Uh, It's armor plated. I don't know what I would hide behind if I were. I'd hide behind the engine block if I could. But that, that, there's your chance. But these are, you know, and of course, nobody shoots the tires out. Nobody shoots underneath at people's ankles. That's what I do. I'm an ankle shooter from way back. <laughs> but anyway, what is happening is that the stupid stormtroopers, the dumbest, the dumbest and most ex- expendable members of the cast, are just trying real hard and they're just getting owned because Daryl and Maggie <laughs> and Gabriel and Aaron have been living in the woods for 12 years. <laughs> Just dropping down, fighting zombies, and occasionally destroying in a community. Oh, so all like, about guerrilla warfare, man. Yeah, this is nothing to like nothing to them. They are they're meeting in secret spots and they're like making plans and <laughs> you know, ambushes. You go tell that guy in the orange suit you're asking that for Amber. He'll know what you mean. <laughs> right. And it's just like crazy how well, good they, how well they do this. But it's also totally expected that they would be good at this. So they're ready to do it. Well, not only that, but it's another example of the fact that we basically have, you know, our, our Commonwealth stormtroopers went to the stormtroopers school of stormtroopering because they're terrible shots. They die dumb. Part of the problem with this whole segment is that while we see that Mercer, and I'm talking about this whole thing involving the Commonwealth from the time they arrived, we see that Mercer is very, very good at what he does. And the idea that he would be surrounded by so many soldiers who are this bad, he would train them to be better than this. They're just bad at their jobs. And 
every time I see that, it's like to a man, and you would think like you could maybe justify it if it were like the ones that Lance has corrupted that he, he picked right. out in training as the lazy ones and the ones who wanted to get a leg up and then went with went to those guys and be like, you're going to be my secret guys. It would make sense for them to be terrible because they're, they're supposed, but the ones who were loyal to Mercer who go out on missions with him are terrible too. Yeah, it's, Run it's, screaming from zombies and get caught up in like run full. F- the Oh, the Jeep's right over there. There's zombies on this side. I better run right into them. There's zombies to get pulled into the Jeep. Instead of no, going around, we did get a lovely getting torn in half sequence out we of that, though. Kill of the week. At the same time, here's Mer, and this is uh, something I didn't like is Mercer is holding on to him, clearly watching him being torn in half. He's cannot save this guy. I get that Mercer wants to save this person, but the look on Mercer's face is like he's never seen this before. It's it. I mean, it's a dramatic Not scene. Little Timmy. Yeah, it's a dramatic scene, but it doesn't ring quite true. Be, even though we get a cool kill, it just it's it, this whole bit where just because you give a guy a gun and body armor does not make them a soldier. I've never lost a man before. We know that's not except all the times you have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Mag- Maggie and and Aaron and and Daryl are running circles around these guys, except when they're not. They're kind of themselves, kind of. Every once in. in a while, they get pinned down or something, but, but it never takes them long to get out of it. Right. But we do get a little heart-to-heart between Daryl and Maggie. Coming back to talk about Leah. Do we have to? Can't we just skip over this? Well, no, because it's, a, it's actually a nice No, we can bit. gloss over it. We're totally allowed. It's a nice little bit where she says, you know, he, she says, about, about the whole, you know, Leah thing. And he's like, it's fine. <laughs> well, let's do. Let's just do the scene, Tim. You and me. All right. I'm um, I'm Daryl. Okay, I love this. So I know Leah meant something to you. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> You're much. my friend. You're yeah. my friend, and she and you needed me, so I killed that bitch. Fuck that bitch. And Pretty you were about to say you were sorry, probably too, huh? Well, don't, because I'm because <laughs> I'm Daryl. Well, he also, he says, you know, Glenn would have wanted me to look out for you. And so you don't have to say you're sorry. You don't have to give me a line reading, dude. No, but it's. I'm a professional. (laughs) I know you you are. You can use your director words if you'd like me to say it a different way. (laughs) All right, Curtis, I feel (laughs) that at this particular moment, you need to be a little more. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's a nice little bit. It's a nice little, you know, thing. I love you, Maggie. I love you. (laughs) I love you, man. You know, it's it's a nice little bit about friendship, and that's cool. Yeah. But they find themselves in the sewer because we have our sewer set. We have to use it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we can come up on the other side around them and uh, take them by surprise. And they're standing in the middle of this huge drainage area where a bunch of different pipes come together. And you can hear walkers kind of mumbling around in there. And, and Fridge Girl goes, or... What if we brought them here? And Gabriel like looks at her and smiles and like shoots off his gun, uh, killing them all with uh, with ricochet bullets, and, uh, and breaking several eardrums in the process because this right. is an enclosed space. And guys, oh, that would have sucked so much. If you oh ever shoot a gun, the guns are very loud, and in an enclosed space like that, 
that sound is bouncing off the walls. It it's would be bad, be but they're just 22, painful. so it'd be like a really bad pop. You wouldn't oh, hear wow. right at all. They they set a little trappy poo for Lance and his goons, uh, where they like get them in a place where they kind of can bottleneck them. But it's really weird because at first it's like the soldiers come in and the first group of guys gets to drop on the soldiers. And then here comes Lance with his group of guys. And they're like, no, we got the drop on you. And then Gerald jump, Daryl jumps up from the back and puts a knife to Lance's throat. And it's like, no, I've got the drop on you. And then the next thing, like five more soldiers come in and like, no, think again. <laughs> and it, it, it was very confusing to watch. <laughs> So I don't know. It could have gone on for hours. Yeah. I don't know who, I don't know who has the drop on who. Based on Lance's smile, Lance with the knife to his throat and he just starts grinning. So I'm pretty sure he thinks he's got the upper hand here. Now, Daryl is kind of a, kind of a stabby person. So I think he may not be uh, uh, quite as safe as he might think he is, but. Well, I mean, we got a little bit in the preview of the next episode is that, you know, they need Lance. They've decided they need Lance alive. Right. Uh, so, because we, you know, why we get rid of him, he's delightful. Uh, <laughs> for being horrible, he is definitely fun. So, who knows what's going to happen. I have a feeling that what we're going to discover in the next episode is going to be like, look, we've got him. He's all we want. You guys can go. And I have a feeling a lot of these guys are going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. And <laughs> Lance is going to be like, what? Shocked. Shocked I am that they're not loyal to him. Oh, no. Who could ever guess? But, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what happens. And at this point in the comic, we are moving towards Sebastian getting exposed for his actions. And then he turns around and, and he kills Rick in the comic. This is where the the penultimate you know storyline to the time jump into the future that the comic does where murders rick um who does sebastian okay he brings the, the commonwealth the commonwealth basically is brought down by rick because he That's brings down he, the, do. he brings down the governor but then sebastian shows up at his door and shoots him and then carl has to put rick down his zombie down and then you know but it 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 saves the future, right? So we are so far from where that story ends in the comic of how things are sitting now that we'll have to see how it plays out. We're in brand new territory, which is both good and bad for the Walking Dead universe. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't yeah. think we have at this point, we used, we used to have Rick allegory, like people who were could take on that role. But I don't, I feel like we've moved so far past that, that nobody is our, our Rick anymore. We don't have a Rick. Anymore. There's not a single one. I mean, because Daryl's, part of it's Daryl, part of it's Carol, part of it's Negan at this point. I think if you take those three people, yeah. well, and, and Aaron, Aaron has got, has picked up some of, of Rick's story too. A lot so. of his characteristics. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so we'll have to see what happens. We don't have that many episodes left in, in the series. Only well, 43 over six <laughs> more segments. <laughs> and 1,000 years of, of, well, of episode commentary left for your enjoyment. You can suffer along with us. Because we're under a curse. And um, this is how we, how we pay it off over time.
Gentlemen, I thank you for joining me again for our return to the regular The Walking Dead. And we thank you folks for listening. You can find us on the social medias. You can find our Patreon account on right over to patreon.com. Look up Zompocalypse Now and you'll find us if you want to help support the show. Support theoutbreakchallenge.com who sponsors the show. Always nice when you can take care of that. We had fun with the race that we did you will probably enjoy it as well. And you can save 15% off your first race with the code zombie run. So take advantage of that. You know, get some, some exercise in. And we'll have to see what happens. This is a solid start to this final group of episodes. The Walking Dead has let us down before though. So we'll have to see how it goes. So many times. <laughs> They've been let down so bad. They get your hopes up. They've got your hopes in your hand. You can't be the rapper in our group, dude. And then they crush it. They crush it. And there's tears. Anyway, um, yeah. So we'll see what they do. All right. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. Very much. Thank you. Ever so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, folks, for listening. We'll see you on our next episode of Subpocalypse Now. Fucking Sebastian is a shit heel in shorts. The vocal stylings of Curtis Smith, ladies and gentlemen. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved. <laughs>